Shalom and welcome to Shomer Mitzvot, Torah Observant, a series on practical messianic living and apologetics. I'm the author, Torah teacher Ariel ben Lyman Hanavi. Torah observance is a matter of the heart. It always has been and always will be. The Torah proper instructed the people of Israel to love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your resources. This is where Shomer Mitzvot begins, by loving Hashem and accepting Him on His terms. By this, I mean accepting His means of covenant obedience. For today, this means acceptance of Yeshua, His only Son, for Jew and non-Jew alike. Shalom, shalom. My name is Ariel ben Lyman Hanavi. You're listening to Exegeting Galatians, a Messianic Jewish commentary. Let's open with prayer. Avinu Malkinu, our Father, our King, Lord, thank you once again that you have brought us to this place and that you are filling us with your precious words of life, that you are giving us uh, a cause to sit and to study and to learn of you and to soak up your spirit and, uh, to, Lord, just to bless you and to bless one another via this uh, medium of Internet. Lord, I want to thank each and every member, each and every listener who has joined me tonight, whether live by Skype or joined me after the fact listening to the recording. Lord, I, I'm humbled that I have an opportunity to share with each and every person uh, the thoughts that you've placed on my heart concerning this particular uh, book of the Bible, the book of Galatians. Lord, I especially um, thank you that you have um, preserved the words of the text and that you've given us this truth so that we can turn to it over and over again, so that we can fill our hearts uh, with your truths, so that we can know what is right and what is wrong. Thank you, Lord, that um, this is uh, the time that we need to be pressing into you. Lord, we're right in the middle of your festivals. Uh, Pesach was just about 40 or so days ago, depending on when you start your Omer count. And we are working our way towards Pentecost, uh, towards the giving of the poured out, the outpoured spirit. Lord, from, from Pentecost, from, uh, Pesach to Pentecost, we are being filled with the goodness and the mercy of Messiah as we walk out the feast days. Lord, continue to give us a, um, a heart and a desire to walk after your words and to, to be obedient to the things that you have called us to do and, to, and, and the, uh, the people that you've called us to be. For indeed, you have commanded us to be holy because you are holy. And that is why we uh, uh, press in. That is why we seek to be obedient. That is why we uh, seek to be uh, a witness for you. Thank you. For uh, uh, each and every student, I pray that you'll bless them where they're at. I pray that you'll give them uh, mercy and grace and continue to draw them close to you by your spirit. Uh, continue to give them a voice of witness as they speak to friends and family members and co-workers and those around them with the good news of the gospel. Uh, be with me as well, Lord. Uh, continue to protect me and thank you for healing me and returning my voice to me so that I can remake these recordings. So we'll be careful, Lord, to give you the praise and the glory. B'Shem Yeshua, Amen. 
All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier, my name is Ariel, and I'm a tour teacher at Congregation Kehilat Tenuva in Thornton, Colorado, and we like to welcome you out to our congregation each Shabbat, each Saturday. Um, but as I've mentioned in past recordings, you're not going to find me there because I reside in South Korea. And I'm bringing these commentaries to you live via the Internet, via Skype, each week from 7 p.m. Central Time to about 7.45 uh, you're welcome to join us each week by Skype. Uh, just uh, go to the Internet and download Skype. It's free. And then if you want to uh, get all the relevant details to join the Galatians study each week, then head on out to my website at www.tetzetorah.com. That's T-E-T-Z-E-T-O-R-A-H.com. Right on the homepage, you can find a link that says Galatians Commentary. Just click on it and follow all the information on the page. And, of course, I record all of these um, teachings each week so that if you can't make it live with us, then just join me after the fact uh, for the recording that I upload to the iTunes store as well as up uh, to my own website. And you can um, also follow along with the written audio notes. This is a, um, a PDF document that's a little short of 200 pages, so it's not really a long commentary. And we're just working our way down through the notes week by week until we finish. We've actually been going for more than a year, so uh, just as the Lord leads and allows, then we just you know take a little chunk here and there and keep going. All right, that being said, we like to open up with liturgy each week, a little bit of Hebrew and a little bit of Greek. So for those of you who are with me in the live study tonight, you should see on your screen, I've got my whole screen shared, uh, I've got a um, blessing from the Hebrew for Christians website and it is <coughs> excuse me it is the familiar Birkat HaTorah the blessing for the opening of the Torah that you're probably familiar with if you have a if you have a, a Siddur or if you've attended a, a, a Messianic congregation before let's read some English and then I'll read some Hebrew and I have to apologize in advance for any coughing that I have. Like I said, I'm just recovering from a cold for the last few weeks. That's why we've been gone for a few weeks. Um, and I still got that little cough in the back of my throat, that, that little tickle that just won't go away no matter how much water I drink and how many hauls I, or, or cough drops that I suck on. It just, just won't go away. So, um, But my voice came back, so we're going to just plug along. Here's the English. It says, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves with the words of Torah. Please, Lord, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouths and in the mouths of all your people, Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, may we all together know your name and study your Torah for the sake of fulfilling your desire. Blessed are you, Lord, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who chose us from all the nations and gave us the Torah. Blessed are you, Lord, giver of the Torah. May the Lord bless you and keep watch over you. May the Lord make his presence enlighten you. And may he be kind to you. May the Lord bestow favor on you and grant you peace. Let's go now and read the Hebrew of that same uh, blessing. For those of you in the class, you can see the blessing on my screen. It reads... Torah. 
Befino Uvi Amka Beit Yisrael Venehe Anachnu Vetsetze Enu Vetsetze E Amka Beit Yisrael Kulano Yode Shmecha Volomde Torateka Lishma Baruchata Adonai Hamlame Torah Lamo Yisrael Baruchata Adonai Lohenu Melaka Olam Asher Bachar Banu Mikol Haamim Venatan Lanuet Torato Baruchata Adonai Noten Ha Torah Iverecha Adonai Vishmerecha Yar Adonai Panai Velecha Vukunecha Yisa Adonai Panai Velecha Vajasim Lecha Shalom All right and let me just check Skype real quick. I think a few more people have joined in. Yeah, it looks like a few students have jumped in. And I hope that those new students, uh, I hope those new students can see my screen. I'm jumping back and forth throughout the uh, uh, Skype here. So um, if you can see the, see the screen, just maybe uh, give a little type there that says that you can see everything. Uh, can you... Give a type here real quick. And hope you can see the screen and you can see the chat. If not, then I'll see what I can do about making Skype fix that. But I think everyone should be able to see the screen. Uh, all right. Um, anyway, let's go back over to the commentary. So uh, let's jump now into the... Um, pass the, the passage out of the New Testament. Um... This would be, yes, okay, yeah, everything, everyone, my Skype people say yes, everything looks good. Uh, let's jump over to the passage out of the New Testament, since we're right in the middle of Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read this short little section of about five or six verses that forms what we, what we described a few weeks back as the um, chiasm. Now, we're in week 60. We missed quite a few weeks, but as far as the week count is concerned for the... Um, for the uh, semesters, you remember we teach for 10 weeks, then we take a break for two weeks. And we took our break, and I, I missed because of sickness. We took our break because of Passover a few weeks back. And um, uh, we're right at week 60, so um, um, we're right beginning at Galatians 3.11 for our study. But I want to back up and get the context. There's this um, clever little, what we might call a, um, a mirrored structure, a kind of a... Uh, um, almost like a little outline, uh, um, you know, point A, point B, thing like that. Something called a chiasm, a chiasmus. It's kind of built right into Galatians, and it's it's in several places in the Bible. But uh, the chiasm starts in verse nine and goes down to the verse fourteen. So I'm going to read those verses, and then we'll read the Greek. Okay. Uh, ESV reads this way: Galatians three, starting at verse nine. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Verse 11, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for, quote, the righteous shall live by faith, end quote. Of course, that's from Habakkuk. Verse 12, But the law is not of faith. Rather, quote, the one who does them shall live by them. There's another quote. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written. And then we got another curse. I'm sorry, another quote. Quote, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree, end quote. And then verse 14, of course, that one's from Deuteronomy. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised 
spirit through faith, end quote. All right, so Paul is really fond of quoting Torah, and rightly so, because uh, when you are giving an answer to those who don't believe or don't understand what you're, what you're teaching, then it's always best to let the Bible be your best proof, right? You can quote other authors, you can quote philosophers, you can quote yourself, but the best person to quote is God. So Paul's going to do that over and over again. All right, let's go back and read the Greek of that as well. Let me just use the Nestle 1904 uh, Greek New Testament uh, for this, and uh, hopefully that'll give us an opportunity to read. Okay, so starting in verse 9 again, so we're going to read all of this right there. For those of you in my live class, I should have highlighted that so you can see it. Okay, starting right here in the Greek. It reads, Hoste oi ekpistios yulaguntai sunto pisto Abraham. Or Abraham is how we say it in the Greek. Let's jump in verse 10, starting over here. Hosoi gar ex eth, I'm sorry, ergonamu esin hupa katarin esin gegraptai gar hati epikatartas pas has uk emene pasintois gegramenois in to biblio tu namu. Tu poie sai auta. Verse 11. Hati de en namu, namo, I'm sorry. Udes dikai untai. Now that's dikai utai, there's no in there. Dikai utai para to theo delon hati o ho dikaias epistios zesitai. The righteous shall live by faith, is what it just said there. And verse 12. Ho de namas uk asin. I'm sorry, asin epistios all. Ho poiesais auta zesidai in autois. And verse uh, 13. Christos hemos en exegorosin ectes kataras tu namu genamonos huper hemon katarahati gegraptai epikataratas pas ho kremamonos epi kzulu. And verse 14. The last verse that we're reading in Greek. Hina ace ta ethne he a eulagia to Abraham genetai and Jesu Christos, I'm sorry, Christo, hina te epangelio, sorry, let's epangelion to penumitas labomen dia tes pistios. Okay, and that's the Greek section uh, that we're going to read, just that little section, but we're going to focus on just verse 11. Tonight, just this passage, Hati de en namo, udois de kaiutai para to theu delon, Hati o ho, I'm sorry, de kaias epistios zesitai, for by faith the righteous shall live. That quote from Habakkuk that's going to give us the most, the most bang for a buck tonight as we focus in on it. All right, so we have cleared verse 10, which was kind of a meaty read and if you don't remember where we were at since it's been quite nearly a month since we met uh, at least for the live students then go back and listen to the live commentary that was recorded and uploaded and it was going to be week 59 that you're going to look for as far as the audio recording all right so let's start in week 60 galatians 3:11. for those of you who are in the live class with me in skype you should see the screen pulled up, and we're parked right on the verse 11 right there, which reads again, uh, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for, quote, the righteous shall live by faith, end quote. 
Alright, let's uh, start exegeting. Comments. This verse is made up of two clauses, in case you weren't following along. We have a thesis, which is no one is justified before God by the law. And then we have this proof text uh, from uh, the Habakkuk verse there, the proof text, the righteous shall live by faith. And it's joined by the conjunction for, uh, which introduces the proof text, right? No one is justified by God for, by the law for... In other words, according to Paul's understanding, in his mind, when he goes back and reads the passage out of the Tanakh, out of the Old Testament, it forms for him the, the, the proof of what he's trying to teach his detractors, of what he's trying to get across, not only to his readers there in the region of Galatia, but uh, uh, more specifically also to the uh, influencers, or the um, what people call the uh, Judaizers. This verse also begins, as I say in my commentary, the first of what I've recognized is the innermost two points of the six-part chiasmus that was begun back in verse 9, which is why I went back and read it during our liturgy. Uh, what we have right now for this particular section is that Galatians 3.11 and Galatians 3.12 are linked by the presence of the word live, L-I-V-E, which is the Greek word azacetai. And if we were to go back and look at the Greek now, uh, we would see Zesatai right here in verse 11. And then, what? where else did I say it was in verse 12? Uh, Zesatai is right here, and Zesatai is right here. So you can see the highlighted parts that I'm focusing, verse 12 and verse 11 right there. All right, uh, if you look at it, my screen, for those of you who are with me in the live uh, chat, um I've indicated this little carrot, this little arrow, to indicate where this particular verse falls in the six-part chiasmus. So, uh, if you look, sorry, the screen is uh, the, the the in the in the written commentary, it's separated. We got a point A, which is Abraham, Galatians three nine, and then we've got B, which is the word curse, Galatians three ten, and then we've got C which is the word live, which is Galatians 3.11, and there's that little carrot right there. And then we've got C again, which is live, Galatians 3.12. And then we go back out to B with curse in Galatians 3.13. And then finally, out at 3.14, we go back over to A, which is Abraham. And that forms our mirror image, our chiasmus, A, B, C, C, B, A. And if you just do a Google search for this word, uh, chiasmus, which is C-H-I-A-S-M-U-S, or C-H-I-A-S-M, chiasm. Either one of those words, type that word in Google, and then type the word Galatians. Then you're going to see that I'm not making this up, and there's actually more than one way to, to see it. You can, you can key off of a few different other words as well. So this is not something new, and it's not something fancy that I came up with. I'm, I'm just picking up on things that other people have already shown. Okay, so let's focus on 3.11 today, and uh, I think we might actually be able to read through most of the written commentary, because it's not that long. Uh, we've got about 25 more minutes left in this study, the live study, so we'll see how far we can get. If we don't get through all of it, obviously we'll pick it up next week. Okay, um, so... Remember I said that there are two clauses. The first clause, of course, is Paul's thesis, his, his argument, his statement about uh, his theological position that he's trying to put forth about how 
um, that no one is justified before God by the law. Let's talk about that first clause. This first clause itself actually comes on the immediate heels of Galatians 3.10, right? which if I go back over to the KG, the ESV version, uh, 3.10, if you remember, reads, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, then he quotes uh, the, that um, passage out of the book of Deuteronomy that we read. And then he says, Now it is evident that no one is justified by God before the law. So let's talk about this phrase, now it is evident that no one is justified by God before the law. In my uh, commentary, I, re I uh, state that this phrase, no one is justified by God before the law, right? This is a, a very emphatic statement from Paul. Um, it's a statement that by historical context must very likely mean, quote, no one is justified before God by works of the law, viz., by Jewish identity and maintenance of Torah, or by submission to a man-made ceremony as postulated by the prevailing halakha of the first century Judaism's end quote. Now, for those of you who are following along with me, you're thinking, Ariel, that is quite the lengthy paraphrase of Paul's statement. Where are you getting the impetus to say that you think that's what it likely means? Well, let's, let's just work on it. I think you're going to see it from, uh, see it in my way as well. Let's quote James D.G. Dunn. He's a favorite of mine. Uh, Dunn's comments on this particular verse, I think, are appropriate. Let's read Dunn. Uh, he writes, quote, that ennamo, which is the Greek by the law of verse 11, that this phrase is equivalent to ex ergo namu, which is works of the law from verse 10, right? That it, it That these two phrases are equivalent, one being by the law and the other by works of the law, that, uh, or in, uh, works of the law, by works of the law, the Greek preposition N in by the law and the Greek preposition X in, as in um, uh, of the, or out of the works of the law. Um, Dunn says that this, this uh, understanding that they're, that they're both the same is plain. And he, um, he cites Bruce, uh, Bruce's commentary from Galatians on page 161. But uh, Dunn says that this is made plain uh, because there's a parallel um, as also the parallel between 3.11 and 2.16 confirms. Indeed, if we uh, read through Dunn's comments and then go back and look for ourselves, um, we would see, and let, let me just do this for you, in 3.11 we have um, Paul saying, now it is evident that, look at this phrase, no one is justified before God by the law. But if we go back over to Galatians 2.16, where Paul just finished um, launching into this argument about the law, he says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, right? So, and he says it three times, works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So notice in verse, in verse 16 of chapter two, Paul's saying that it's by works of the law that no one is justified. And then when we jump over to chapter three, verse um, 11, he said, by the law, no one is justified. See what I'm saying? So what, what conclusion can we reach? It's that the conclusion that, that uh, Dunn just brought to our attention is that by the law in verse 11 is equivalent to works of the law in verse 10 
of the pre uh, of um I'm sorry verse 16 of verse 10 and verse 16 of of uh, verse of uh, chapter 2. So basically Paul must be using some sort of shorthand when he says um no one is justified by God by by the law uh because he really just means by works of law. So we have this insight into works of law and by the law in Paul's mind, must refer to similar things or at least very closely related things if they are not exactly the same thing because he uses the phrase justified. And in the phrase justified, it's the same Greek word in both both cases. All right, let's keep reading done. In Jewish self-understanding, to be enamo, to be by the law, is to live ekpistios, by faithfulness. And in both cases, Dunn goes on to say, the man who is righteous before God being in view, his righteousness being defined and documented precisely by these two phrases, en namo, which is by the law, and ekpistios, which is by faith. Remember, this is the Jewish self-understanding of the first century that we're primarily focusing on right now. The Jewish person living in Paul's day believed that he was by the law and that he was uh of righteousness or by righteousness within righteousness uh, within faithfulness i'm sorry and because of his living by the law and by faithfulness these two um these two features of his life cause him to be righteous dikaiosune or something that affect in the greek what is done going to conclude he says to what do um to do what i'm sorry to do what the law specifies for the covenant people is to live and altois by them to live by them to live ekpistios by faithfulness uh, is also the same thing. So there's this whole concept in the Jewish self-understanding of the first century that to be to live by the law is to live by faithfulness is to be counted as righteous as righteous and is to actually live by them. So all of these phrases kind of fit together for the Jewish self-understanding, the person who lived in the first century in in namo, uh, ek pistios, ek uh, in altois, uh, which is to be justified. All right. So let's keep reading. By the way, Dunn's uh, uh, quote was lifted from Jesus, Paul, and the Law, the book that I have sitting on my uh, desk right here. Uh, 1990, page 228, with a footnote, footnote from 235. All right, so that's the first clause. The first clause, Paul says that no one is made... Let me go back and read the Greek. Um, now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. That's the first clause. For, Paul says, right? Um, now we're going to quote from the book of Habakkuk and see why Paul uses this particular passage to bolster his argument. What is it about the Habakkuk passage that causes Paul to make this bold statement and to challenge the prevailing notion that was um, understood in the first century that to live by the law and to live within the works of the law and to live by them, to live faithful according to the Torah, was to cause a person to be righteous? What did Paul read? Well, let's read it. Now, keep in mind also that it's it's quite obvious that Paul's uh, opponents could also read the book of, of Habakkuk. And it's not, so, I don't believe it's simply that Paul was, was able to read it as a Christian and they were not, although that is that's certainly true. But I think it stems from their self-understanding of the entire concept of what it meant to be a covenant member and this idea of the national, the Jewish nationalism that was so prevalent in Paul's day that was clouding um, the, the, the issue itself of who and who was not 
counted as righteous. So let's read this quote from Habakkuk and see what see why Paul uses it in this uh, particular place in the book of Galatians. Let's read my commentary. The second clause is Paul quotes from Habakkuk 2.4. And of course, this is a familiar passage to us as Christians. In the second clause, he uses to prove that the works of the law will not justify, that is, they will not save a person. You have to remember, again, that uh, in order to understand Paul's reasoning, you have to know that the first century Jews were um, blinded by this nationalism, this ethnocentric Jewish exclusivism, this idea that all Israel shared a place in the world to come that we read about in the Sanhedrin 10.1, which is uh, part of the, uh, the Talmud today, which you can go look up. And the idea that all Israel shared a place in the world to come was based on the fact that the, 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 the Jewish people of Paul's day were banking on the idea that God's election of Israel as a national entity uh, was tantamount to every single Israelite who, who was a member of the covenant that God cut with Papa Abraham and that God extended to the Jewish people through the offspring of Abraham, which of course would include the stipulations and the rules that were laid down by the Torah of Moshe, all of this formed a package deal, a kind of a membership that each and every good standing member in Israel uh, became a, a participant of. And thus, this this concept of, of covenant membership, group membership, peoplehood affiliation, uh, nationalism, uh, whatever word you want to uh, uh, describe, but it's kind of a, a, a group membership going on. And it was kind of automatic, meaning you didn't have to work your way to get into it. You simply had to maintain your position because you were born with it because of your natural lineage and heritage within Israel as a Jewish person. And so your average Jew didn't strive so much to get in so much as he really strove to stay in. It's this getting in, staying in language that E.P. Sanders introduced to us way back in 1977 with um, Paul and the law. So um, Paul is working from this this identity issue that existed in his day that, that Jewish people believe that they were kind of automatically saved, if you will, and that they were automatically covenant members, covenants, uh, uh, members of the covenant that God cut with Abraham in Genesis 12 and extended to the Jewish people via the covenant, the, 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 the um, words that came 430 years later at Mount Sinai. You understand when I say covenant membership, the word covenant is entails both the Abrahamic covenant on one end as well as the Mosaic covenant on the other end. And it, and it really worked its way down through the timeline to include uh, later on the Davidic covenant, you know the, the 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 covenant that included the dynasty of kings that were given uh, through David's loins and things like that, and uh, it landed squarely in the lap of the Jewish people of Paul's day, and that's why they thought, hey, we're already in, we're already righteous, we are already covenant members, and we are already on our way to heaven, as it were, to use Christianese. All right, guys, understand all that? Okay, so it's from that self understanding that Paul has to say. I think you guys missed something, speaking to his fellow Jewish contemporaries. I think you guys missed something. Covenant membership, uh, group covenant membership, does not automatically equate with personal and individual righteousness as um, counted from God's perspective. And he's going to use Habakkuk 2.4 to prove it. All right, let's read Habakkuk 2.4, see what we have to say. 
Uh, Paul says that, according to Habakkuk, the works of the law will not save a person. And I have to keep reminding my readers, or my listeners, those of you who are following along with me, that I don't believe that Paul was working from the uh, self-understanding that keeping the law is what would save a person. I don't think that's what the first century Jewish people were using, leveraging the law for. Rather, they felt that, uh, in essence, Jewish identity or group membership within the peoplehood known as Israel, uh, be, you know, in other words, this this um, belonging to the the covenant family known as Israel, the the elect group, the the people that were elected by God, they felt that essentially that's what gained them what Christians would call salvation. So it was kind of a corporate salvation that they believed in. They didn't really focus on this kind of individual salvation like Christians do today. You know, we knock on doors and we ask people, are you saved? If you were to, we, we do the whole Romans road thing, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? Or would you have some doubt? We ask people that question today on an individual basis. Are you saved? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you going to heaven? <clears throat> but in Paul's day, that kind of mentality didn't really exist on an individual level. Your average, indivi- your average individual Israelite simply um, uh, reckoned that he was righteous based on group affiliation with the people group known as Israel. So he didn't really have to focus on this individual salvation and working his way in by doing the Torah the way that Christians describe them as doing so or supposedly doing so when I listen to modern Christian commentaries on the book of Galatians. No, I think it's better to understand that the Jewish people of Paul's day instead simply believed that God graciously and electively chose them to be singled out among the people groups of the earth, and therefore salvation was theirs by divine election, meaning they didn't really have to do anything to get in. However, however, here's where the Torah comes into play. The Torah did, in fact, function as a sort of maintenance. It, it helped them stay in. It helped them remain as good-standing covenant members because they read over and over again through the pages of the Torah that if they did X amount of disobedience or, or, or um, idolatry, or if there were certain commandments that they repeatedly violated, then they could find themselves of a position of being cut off, or you know the Hebrew word is karat. Uh, excommunication was possible because of violation, gross violation, repeated violation of Torah commands. So it wasn't really Torah that got you in, it was Torah that kept you in. What got you in was your Jewish identity, your group affiliation. What kept you in was the um, uh, the maintenance of it, the keeping yourself away from uh, idolatry. And so works of law describes both aspects of this getting in, staying in idea that was present in Paul's day. You guys following along with me so far? I think that if you study through the book of Romans and the book of Galatians with that mind, with that in mind i think it's going to be a better way to understand paul's arguments and it for sure forms a better argument for us in today's 21st century um messianic communities when we're trying to explain to our christian friends and counterparts why we feel that it is our covenant duty to return to obedience to the torah and as soon as we start following after torah returning to a hebraic lifestyle keeping Sabbath, keeping kosher, keeping the festivals, things like that, wearing tzitzit, putting mezuzah on our door, etc., etc. As soon as we start doing that, our Christian friends and family members who do not follow after the Hebraic lifestyle, they immediately think that we are trying to keep the Torah to become saved, and they immediately start pulling out Paul's letter to the book of Galatians and Romans, and they turn to all those passages where Paul 
talks about the works of the law and how that Israel of old thought that the works of the law would justify them, save them, and how that Paul taught that it's not the works of the law that save you, and thus your average pastor and Christian makes an instant connection to what they think that we're doing, we messianics, and they say, aha, see, you guys are falling for the same legalism. You're trying to keep the law to be saved. It's you thinking that's the works of the law that are going to save you. And then you think if you're keeping the law, keeping the Sabbath, keeping kosher, keeping the festivals, that if you do all those things that you're going to be justified before God. Don't you see that it's not the works of the law that will save you and that we're not justified by the works of the law? And they don't see, they are our current 21st century Christian friends and family members, they don't see that, number one, we don't think we're trying to keep the law to save us. But number two, they don't see that that's actually not what Paul was even arguing against in the first place. You see what I'm saying? All right. I hope I have not beat that horse uh, too dead. But uh, I've got to bring that up over and over again because it is so prevalent in, in, in Christian circles today as to be the prevailing view that works of the law does not really refer to some kind of Jewish ethnicity, but instead refers to uh, mere mechanical commandment keeping viz your 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 uh, kind of uh, um, what do we call merit theology or just generic um, works righteousness or something like that. All right. Okay. Having said all that, let's read the rest of my commentary. Interestingly, many Bible translations um, for uh, Galatians three eleven when it when it quotes from Habakkuk two four for the Greek, they actually use um, they use the word faith uh, here uh, when they're translating two four. Instead of faithfulness, they translate it as the word uh, faith. So if we go over to Galatians 3.11 out of the ESV, um, it says, uh, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For, quote, the righteous shall live by faith. Some versions say the righteous shall live by faithfulness. And let's talk about why they might say faith instead of faithfulness. All right. Many of the same translations, however, use faithfulness for their translation from the original Hebrew. So if we look at my footnote to 112, uh, we'll see that the NIV, the NLT, the NET, and the GWT actually use the word faithfulness for the Hebrew of Habakkuk 2.4, right? When they're, when they're quoting, I'm sorry, when, when you actually turn in your, in your Old Testament to Hebrews 2.4, they, they say the righteous shall live by faithfulness or the righteous shall live by his faithfulness. And in the NIV, the, new, the NLT, the NET, and the GWT, they actually say faithfulness. And yet, watch this, not, yet not a single one of those four that I mentioned uses faithfulness when we get to the Greek of, of Galatians 2.11. Why is that? Right? Scratch your head. That's a little inconsistent, at least in my opinion. Since we know that Paul is quoting Galatians, I'm sorry, uh, quoting um, uh, Habakkuk 2.4 in Galatians 2.11, and since we know the Hebrew of, Galatia, of, of uh, uh, Habakkuk 2.4 is best understood as faithfulness, not just mere faith, the righteous shall live by his faithfulness, then why not use the word faithfulness when we translate it into English, when we quote uh, from Habakkuk 2.11. All right, let's talk about that. So, um, speaking of Habakkuk 2.4 in my commentary, Dunn again goes on to say, quote, the usual understanding of Habakkuk 2.4 out of the Masoretic text, right, out of the Hebrew, which is, quote, the righteous will live by his faithfulness, uh, end quote, 
And this is very important that if you translate the Habakkuk 2 passage, the righteous will live by his faithfulness and not merely by his faith. Although it wouldn't be completely wrong in my understanding to translate it as the righteous shall live by faith, like we're used to seeing it and say in Romans uh, 1, I think it's one thirteen. Paul uh, quotes it there, the righteous shall live by faith. And then we have it again here in, in Galatians 2.11. Um, it, uh, Dunn goes on to say that it is not necessary to the discussion here to resolve the question of whether Paul intended the epistios by faith to go with hodekaios, the righteous, or zesetai will live. Is it that the, 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 the by faith they will live or by faith they will be righteous? That's what that's what um, Dunn's trying to bring to our discussion first and foremost. So the, the righteous person, right, the person shall be righteous, in other words, counted as righteous, and is he counted righteous because of faith? Is it by faith that he's counted as righteous? Or is it count? Is he counted as righteous because he lives by faith? In other words, which which part of the passage does the righteousness um, latch onto? Is it the ekpistios or is it the zesatai? Is it the living part? All right. So done first kind of whets our appetite by reminding us that it's not crucial to our standing here right now uh, to to uh, understand the the, the Hebrew verse that way. And we're going to discuss this a little bit more closely when we get down to Galatians 3.12, uh, either next week or, or the week after. So I say in my commentary, we're going to discuss faith and faithfulness, right? These, this, this word in the, the Hebrew of, 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 of um, Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faithfulness, which translates from the Hebrew over into the Greek of, um, of uh, pistios, by faith or by faithfulness. We're going to discuss this a little bit more closely, but for now... I simply want you to notice how Paul sets at odds what the influencers were actually taking for granted. And what was it? Namely, this was the position of the influencers of Paul's day, the Judaizers, what Christians call the Judaizers. Their position was that righteousness, right, the the zesit, I'm sorry, the dikaios, the righteousness, the dikaiosune, is grounded in ethnicity and Torah maintenance. In other words, the phrase that I'm calling works of the law, this 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 conforming to a, a set of halakha, a, a halakhic set of rules for any given community. Remember, works of the law is borrowed likely in Paul's uh, day. <clears throat> works of the law is closely related to the phrase that we find in um, the uh, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, document, the 4QMMT document that uses the same phrase, albeit in the uh, Hebrew, right? The Ma'aseh HaTorah, the works of the law. And in that document, we can see that it is a, a set of laws or halakhic um, do's and don'ts that the, the existing covenant member must abide by in order to vindicate his existence and, in, and indeed to maintain his position in the covenant uh, uh, in, in, in the covenant group that he affiliates with. So we got the Dead Sea Scroll group that was this kind of sectarian group that separated themselves from the other Jewish groups in Paul's day. They went out and lived in the caves and they lived in the desert, as it were. They they lived kind of in a, a monastic fashion. They they were uh, the kind of the asceticists, as it were, of their day. And um, they had a, a, a kind of a, their own halakha, their own works of the law, and we, we find this documented for us in the four QMMT fragments that were unearthed out of Qumran back in the 50s. So um, 
it's from there that we probably have this same idea that Paul's using when he says works of the law, that it refers to this kind of this short list of rules as do's and don'ts that for those who were already covenant members, it helped to mark you out as a covenant member, a good standing covenant member as you as you uh, kind of lined up, uh, uh, towed the party line, so to say. And for those who were not covenant members, if they wished to belong to that covenant, to that group, then they would have to conform to this list. So um, kind of the same things going on in Paul's day, I think. The works of law is referring to this Jewish ethnicity or this Jewish identity, this, this circumcision uh, feature that was very prominent in Paul's day. All right, so Dunn wants us to know that, first and foremost, Paul is kind of championing the, the, the genuine view of righteousness as opposed to the, 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 ethnic, the ethnic version of righteousness. And uh, Paul does this, I say in my commentary, by reminding his readers of what the book of Habakkuk teaches us on how the genuinely righteous will live. Basically, uh, and this maybe this is a good place to, to uh, uh, probably close down the commentary. Basically, what Paul's going to do is he's going to quote from um, he, he's going to uh, uh, he's going to quote from the book of Habakkuk to show that um, there's a righteousness that is recognized from God's perspective, and um, it's a righteousness that can only be uh, afforded to those who have placed their genuine faith in Messiah and continue to live their life by this trusting faithfulness. And it is a righteousness that, in fact, does include a a faithfulness to God's ways, but it is righteousness that is first and foremost grounded in the person and work of the Messiah, Yeshua. And so with that, let me go ahead and bring the commentary to a close. And for those of you who are following along with me in the live class, if if Skype dropped out on you, I apologize. We're going to, you're probably going to have to go back and listen to the last, say, 10 minutes or so. Let me close in prayer, and then um, we'll entertain the after-session chat, which is available to those who uh, uh, join me live each week. You cannot listen and join in in the uh, live after-chat session of about the 30 or 45 minutes unless you join me with Skype by Skype each week. Okay, let's close in prayer. Abba, I bless your name, and I thank you for the opportunity to share with the students. I pray that you'll continue to bless them and to raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I pray that you'll continue to give us a heart to do righteousness, a heart to seek after your face, a heart to press in and to know your Holy Spirit, a mind to to continue after the words of the Torah and the words of the Master Yeshua. Lord, let us um, know and realize that we are your hands and we are your feet and that you have chosen and you have elected us to... to uh, um, be your witnesses, to be your ambassadors in this earth today. You could, Lord, simply um, uh, showcase your goodness and your mercy and your your faithfulness and indeed your glory in the earth without us. But instead, you have chosen to work through us. And so we need to be vessels that are usable. We need to make sure that our vessels are clean. And for that reason, we know that because of what the Messiah has done for us, that we are already cleaned up on the inside. We are we are made righteous in your sight, and there's nothing we can do to add to or subtract from that uh, that forensic righteousness that is ours by faith. And yet, Lord, at the same time, there is a walk of faith that is our responsibility. We are required 
to to walk into Christ, that we are decided to put on the the new cloth of the righteousness of the Messiah. We are required, as Paul would say, to put to deed the death, uh, the deeds of the flesh, to crucify the flesh, to to turn away from the deeds of unrighteousness, to continue to um, um, to hide your words in our heart, to 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 set the Lord ever before us, uh, so that we can love and to do righteousness and to do what is right by your sight. Uh, it is our responsibility, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to continue to press in to do the right thing. And so help us to be a light to those around us. Be with each and every student who was joined with me tonight. I pray that you'll continue to help them and to raise them up and to bless them and to heal them and to be with them as families and to strengthen their witness. And we'll be careful, Lord, to give you the praise and the glory of Hashem Yeshua. Amen. That concludes our show for today. It is my desire that this continuing series of teachings will assist the average non-Jewish believer or new Messianic Jewish believer in his desire to become a more mature child of God. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations, as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. Because the Torah is written on the hearts of all who truly name the name of Yeshua as Lord and Savior, it is meant to be followed to the best of our ability. We have no reason for fear of condemnation or the trappings of legalism. My name is Ariel Ben Lyman Hanavi. The intro and outro song were written, produced, and performed by Ryan Kingsley. For more information on contacting Ryan, you can reach me by email at yeshua613 at hotmail.com. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A number 613 at hotmail.com. Or visit our website at graftedin.com. That's graftedin.com. <laughs>